Hey, this is Dave DeCamp from Antiwar.com. This is Antiwar News for Thursday, April 13th, 2023. All right, the first story at the top of Antiwar.com today. Seymour Hirsch says that the CIA knows Zelensky is skimming U.S. aid. So on Wednesday, Seymour Hirsch published another report on his Substack that alleged the CIA was aware of widespread corruption in Ukraine and the embezzlement of U.S. aid. So the report said that the Ukrainian government has been using U.S. taxpayer money to purchase diesel from Russia to fuel its military. So Hirsch said that Zelensky, quote, has been buying the fuel from Russia, the country with which it and Washington are at war, and the Ukrainian president and many in his entourage have been skimming untold millions from the American dollars earmarked for diesel fuel payments, end quote. So Hirsch said that according to one estimate by CIA analysts, at least $400 million in funds were embezzled last year, and these funds earmarked for the diesel fuel. Sources told Hirsch that Ukrainian officials are also competing to set up front companies for export contracts to private arms dealers around the world. So they're looking at selling some of these weapons. So the issue of corruption was raised during a meeting between CIA Director William Burns and Zelensky, if you remember, when he went over there in January, when Burns went to Kiev. An intelligence official with direct knowledge of the meeting told Hirsch that Burns delivered a pretty stunning message to Zelensky. So Hirsch wrote, this is from his report, quote, The senior generals and government officials in Kiev were angry at what they saw as Zelensky's greed, so Burns told the Ukrainian president, because he was taking a larger share of the skim money than was going to the generals, end quote. So he's saying that Burns was telling Zelensky, we know these other officials and we know they're spying on the Ukrainians, are mad at you because you're taking too much money. They should be getting more kickbacks. So during the meeting, Burns presented Zelensky with a list of 35 generals and senior government officials whose corruption was known to the CIA. Zelensky responded by dismissing 10 officials who were engaged in flagrant corruption. If you remember when there was that corruption scandal and they did get rid of uh, several officials in the Ukrainian government and the intelligence official speaking to Hirsch said, quote, The 10 he got rid of were brazenly bragging about the money they had driving around Kiev in their new Mercedes, end quote. One official I remember looking into, and he was driving around in brand new cars, moved into a big mansion. You know, this is all while the war is going on. So Hirsch said that Zelensky's half-hearted response and the lack of concern in the White House angered some U.S. intelligence officials. The intelligence official speaking to Hirsch criticized President Biden's two main foreign policy advisors, Secretary of State Antony Blinken and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. This official said, quote, they have no experience, judgment, and moral integrity. They just tell lies, make up stories. Diplomatic deniability is something else, end quote. 
So the official also said that there was a total breakdown between the White House and the White House leadership and the intelligence community. The report said that the rift started in the fall when the Nord Stream natural gas pipelines were blown up. According to Hirsch's earlier reporting, President Biden ordered the operation that took out the pipelines. This official said, quote, destroying the pipelines was never discussed or even known in advance by the community, end quote. Although, you know, the CIA did uh, was involved in the planning, but I guess he's saying the broader intel officials, intel agencies were not uh, privy to it. So the official said that there is no strategy for ending the war within the Biden administration and offered more scathing criticism of Blinken and Sullivan. So this official said, quote, Burns is not the problem. The problem is Biden and his principal lieutenants, Blinken and Sullivan and their court of worshipers who see those who criticize Zelensky as being pro-Putin. We are against evil. Ukraine will fight till the last military shell is gone and still fight. And here's Biden who is telling America that we're going to fight as long as it takes, end quote. So Hirsch's story comes after a series of top secret uh, documents were leaked from the Pentagon and other government agencies. And, you know, this what this official is saying uh, makes me wonder, maybe, uh, you know, I think bolsters the case that it was a disgruntled insider, maybe in the the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency, uh, that leaked these documents that was not happy with all these lies that Blinken and Sullivan and these other U.S. officials like Victoria Nuland are out there telling uh, and that they have no real plan to bring this thing to an end. Um, so this was just one little you know, part of this report that Hirsch published. He also gets into things about um, the U.S. Army, that uh, troops, the uh, airborne troops that are stationed in Poland and Romania, just the idea that uh, they're there. There's a lot of them and, and they don't really know why they're there. Uh, it's behind a paywall, this article. Um, but uh, you could go check it out if you subscribe. I think it's five bucks a month uh, for Seymour Hersh. And he's putting out some pretty interesting stuff. I mean, these are huge allegations. If the CIA is this aware of all of this corruption, I mean, there's no excuse for that. Maybe that's why, you know, they're trying to stop these efforts at increasing oversight. Um, so, yeah, it seems like a pretty big scoop. Uh, obviously, it's not going to get much attention from the mainstream media. The next one here, uh, another one of these leaks says that the U.S. does not expect Russia-Ukraine peace talks in 2023. So a defense intelligence agency document uh, that has been leaked online says that the U.S. expects the war in Ukraine to go into 2024 without any peace talks between the warring sides. And the Washington Post reported on this document on Wednesday, and they said this was not dis disclosed before. So this is uh, you know, might have been online for a while, but uh, it's a new leak in the sense that I guess other people haven't really seen it. So this DIA analysis reads, quote, negotiations to end the conflict are unlikely during 2023 in all considered scenarios, end quote. The document says that even if Ukraine, if Ukraine regains a significant amount of territory from Russia and they inflict a lot of losses on Russian forces, they still don't think it will lead to peace talks. You know, and this the, the, the Biden administration's strategy here right now is pushing for this counteroffensive, hoping that Ukraine regains territory. But they know that's not going to happen based on the other leak. And, and they're saying that, oh, once they regain the territory, then we could talk about peace talks. But now they also know that 
<laughs> peace talks aren't happening anytime soon. So another leak that was also reported by the Post says that the U.S. thinks it's unlikely Ukraine will regain any significant territory in its expected counteroffensive. And obviously that is a very big difference from the picture that the Biden officials have been portraying. So both documents, the Post said, could bolster the argument that the U.S. should be pushing for negotiations. I think they're right about that. So asked about the DIA assessment, a U.S. official told the Post that it's up to Zelensky when to talk to Russia, demonstrating Washington's lack of interest in fostering peace talks. The Biden administration has discouraged peace talks throughout the war, including recently by rejecting the idea of Beijing as a mediator. The White House also explicitly came out against a ceasefire or any pause in fighting before she went over to Moscow. And Blinken said that the world should not be fooled by any Chinese calls for peace. So really putting it all out there, really showing the whole world that, yes, the U.S. is not interested in peace in Ukraine. The DIA assessment says that the most likely scenario in Ukraine is that either side only makes marginal gains on the battlefield. It says that a war of attrition for the Ukrainian side could increase criticism about how the fight against Russia is being conducted, making a leadership change in Ukraine more likely. The document says that Ukraine could also respond to a drawn-out conflict by trying to strike more targets inside Russia. And a different leaked document that I think I went over yesterday suggested that Zelensky would use long-range American weapons to hit Russian territory if Washington decides to provide them to Kiev. So this document says the obvious. The longer this war is drawn out, uh, you know, the greater the risk of escalation. Um, so yeah, and I think they're probably right. I mean, unless something drastically changes, like the U S drastically changes its position here, I don't, I I don't see any room for peace talks really. I mean, China, hopefully something comes of China's efforts, but, uh, I am pretty doubtful of it. All right. The next one here, this is from Kyle Anzalone at the Libertarian Institute. Senator Manchin travels to Ukraine, calls for a defeat of Putin. And he went there with Brad Paisley, who's a country music singer. Very strange. Uh, So a group of three influential senators traveled to Kiev and met with President Zelensky. The lawmakers, accompanied by country music singer Brad Paisley, called called for the defeat of Putin and pledged more weapons for Ukraine. So the senators were Joe Manchin, Lisa Murkowski, and Mark Kelly. They met with Zelensky In a press release from his office, Manchin called for Putin to be defeated without providing a clear meaning of what that entails. What does that mean? Does that mean regime change in Moscow? We don't know. The statement said, quote, after this visit, I am even more convinced that defeating Vladimir Putin and ending his ruthless war against the Ukrainian people must remain our top priority. End quote. Senator Murkowski said the visit inspired her to vote to send more military aid to Ukraine. Uh, In his statement, Mark Kelly echoed both of the colleagues, said, quote, for the sake of democracy, freedom and our vital national security interests, Putin must lose this war. We must do more. And when I return to the Senate, I'll continue working with my colleagues and our military leaders to get Ukraine the weapons and support they need to win. End quote. Zelensky asked the American lawmakers to remove restrictions on the weapons that it supplies to Kiev. Ukrainian president has been pressing NATO to provide you know, warplanes and, of course, the longer range missiles that he might use to bomb Russia. So 
Yeah, they're all in these three senators, and Brad Paisley, for some reason, is also there. Uh, all right, the next one here, the U.S. slaps sanctions on Hungary over Russia ties. So the U.S. on Wednesday imposed sanctions on a bank based in Hungary over its ties to Russia, a move that further strange, strains ties between Washington and Budapest. So according to Reuters, the sanctions targeted three top officials in the International Investment Bank in Budapest, two Russian nationals and one Hungarian national. U.S. Ambassador to Hungary David Pressman said that the U.S. had previously warned Hungary about the bank. So Pressman told reporters in Budapest, quote, Unlike other NATO allies previously engaged with this Russian entity, Hungary has dismissed the concerns of the United States government regarding the risks it continued regarding the risks its continued presence poses to the alliance. End quote. So right there in Budapest, just throwing it in Hungary's face. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban has attempted to maintain good relations with Moscow and has been calling for peace talks to end the war in Ukraine. And he's previously delayed EU sanctions on Russia, angering officials in Brussels and Washington. And Hungary has also secured an exemption from the Russian oil ban, the EU's Russian oil ban, because it's a landlocked country. Uh, it relies on pipeline infrastructure to get its oil. It gets a lot of oil from Russia. And that infrastructure would take a long, long time to you know replace. So the landlocked country's got exemptions from that. And then Pressman uh, had some more to say about Hungary. He said, quote, we have concerns about the continued eagerness of Hungarian leaders to expand and deepen ties with the Russian Federation, end quote. They're also uh, signing a, a gas deal. Um, so all this is really making the U.S. unhappy. And one of the leaks from these documents show uh, spying on, on Orban, on his government, a top secret CIA document. Um, revealed that the U.S. was likely spying on Orban. The document said that in a February meeting with his aides, Orban named the U.S. as one of his Fidesz party's top three adversaries. Um, so that's another, you know, they are NATO allies, Hungary and the U.S., even though they're, they're not really getting along right now. And there is the U.S. spying on another ally. All right, the next one here, some good news. Syria's foreign minister visits Saudi Arabia. So Syrian foreign minister Faisal Maktad arrived in Saudi Arabia on Wednesday as Riyadh and Damascus are working toward normalization. So his trip marks the first time a Syrian foreign minister visited Saudi Arabia since 2011 when Riyadh cut ties with Damascus and threw support behind the failed regime change effort against Assad. The Saudi foreign ministry said that Megdad and Saudi foreign minister Prince Faisal bin Farhan will, quote, hold a session of talks on efforts to reduce, to reach a political solution to the Syrian crisis that preserves the unity, security, and stability of Syria, end quote. The visit comes amid reports that Saudi Arabia is working to restore Syria's membership in the Arab League. Reuters reported on Tuesday that Riyadh was hosting a meeting of Arab foreign ministers on Friday to discuss bringing Damascus back into the fold. And of course, the U.S. is not happy and said it was blindsided by the CIA director Burns, said the U.S. was blindsided by Saudi Arabia's efforts to normalize with Syria as well as its deal with uh, Iran. 
All right, the next one here, Jake Sullivan discusses Yemen peace talks with the Saudi crown prince. So Sullivan spoke with Saudi crown prince Mohammed bin Salman on Tuesday about the ongoing Saudi Houthi peace talks aimed at ending the war in Yemen. According to the White House, Sullivan, quote, welcomed Saudi Arabia's extraordinary efforts to pursue a more comprehensive roadmap for ending the war, end quote. He said the U.S. was sending its special envoy to Yemen, uh, Tim Lenderking, to the region to support the peace process. Lenderking was appointed by Biden in 2021 to work toward a diplomatic solution in Yemen, but the current peace talks the U.S. isn't involved in, uh, they're being mediated by Oman, which is a truly neutral party. The U.S. isn't neutral, so it wouldn't be a good mediator, but they also haven't really pushed the Saudis to negotiate. Uh, but right now, Saudi and Omani officials are currently in the Yemeni capital of Sana'a, holding talks with the Houthis that are expected to result in a ceasefire agreement to pave the way for a long-term political settlement. The Biden administration could have pressured Riyadh to make a deal with the Houthis much earlier by cutting off military support. But instead, the White House actually successfully pressured Congress not to vote on a war powers resolution that would have ended U.S. support for the Saudi-led coalition in Yemen. If you remember, that was back in December. This Yemen war powers resolution got a lot of support. Bernie Sanders was going to introduce it in the Senate. And then Biden, the White House, pressured him not to, and he caved to the pressure. So over the past year, there have been no Saudi airstrikes in Yemen or Houthi attacks inside Saudi Arabia. So that's good. And the main focus of the current negotiations is to get this blockade lifted. The blockade and the bombing campaign have killed a lot of people. Brutal tactics. It's a starvation blockade. Civilians, hundreds of thousands of civilians have died as a result. So hopefully, you know, they finally end this thing and they lift this blockade. It looks like that's the direction we're going in. All right, the next one here, Macron stands by his China comments after drawing criticism. So French President Emmanuel Macron is standing by his comments about how Europe should not follow the U.S. into a confrontation with China over Taiwan, despite the backlash the remarks have drawn. So a French diplomat told reporters, quote, this is something the president stands by entirely, end quote. So Macron's warning that Europe should not be America's followers is part of his vision for Europe to have strategic autonomy from the U.S., an idea that some EU officials support. The head of the EU's European Council said quite a few European leaders think like Macron when it comes to the relationship with the U.S. He said, quote, there is indeed a great attachment that remains present, and Emmanuel Macron has said nothing else for this alliance with the United States. But if this alliance with the United States would suppose that we blindly, systematically follow the position of the United States on all issues, no, end quote. So Macron made his comments on the way home from China, where he vowed to work with Beijing on fostering negotiations to bring an end to the Ukraine war, breaking from the U.S., which has rejected the idea of China as the mediator. So Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, our favorite hawk from South Carolina, he slammed Macron for visiting Beijing, writing on Twitter that, quote, his latest visit to China only emboldens the communists and President Xi who seems to be hell-bent on rewriting re world order and taking Taiwan by force, end quote. So if you're upsetting Lindsey Graham, uh, you're probably, you must be doing something right. 
Uh, the next one here, this is from Kyle again at the Libertarian Institute. The U.S. kicks off nuclear war games. So the Pentagon will begin simulating a nuclear war, according to a Department of Defense press release. The military exercises dubbed Global Thunder 23 will be conducted by Strategic Command. American soldiers and bombers will be joined by allies in the war games. The STRATCOM press release said that this year's drills will include an increase in bomber aircraft flights throughout the exercise. So Global Thunder is an annual war game. They're typically conducted at the end of the year. Last year, the Pentagon delayed Global Thunder until early 2023, making this year's iteration the first since Russia invaded Ukraine. During Global Thunder 2020, sorry, Global Thunder 22, held in November 2021, U.S. strategic bombers flew within 12.4 miles of the Russian border and simulated a nuclear attack. I remember that uh, Russian official saying that they were flying that close during these drills. And, you know, again, this is one of the many things that has helped provoke this current conflict is these drills right near Russia's border. Stratcom maintains the war games are not in response to actions by any nation or other actors. Um they're saying, you know, of course, it's not a response to the, the war in Ukraine is how they're trying to portray it here. Um, an American military official said in 2019 that training missions in Europe could be used to drop bombs. This official said, quote, it's no longer just to go partner with our NATO allies or go over and have a visible presence of American air power. That's part of it. But we are also there to drop weapons if called to do so. And end quote. Just saying, I guess, that they're ready to go. That's what these training missions show. And, um, you know, the Hirsch thing, again, like the, his report on Nord Stream says that they planted those explosives during NATO drills. So, I mean, that opens up all sorts of questions of what things could happen during uh, U.S. and NATO exercises. And then Kyle points out the risk of nuclear war and the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists has warned that the proxy war between Washington and Moscow is pushing the world toward a nuclear conflict. They set their doomsday clock closer to midnight than ever uh, before, I believe. Yeah, it's the closest the clock's ever been. So what a great time to simulate nuclear war. <laughs> uh, all right, the next one here, South Korea to lend 500,000 artillery shells to the U.S. So this is kind of sounds strange. South Korea, according to a South Korean newspaper, South Korea has agreed to lend the U.S. 500,155 millimeter artillery shells. The report said that the U.S. and South Korea agreed on the deal in March, but there has been no public confirmation from either side. The reason to lend the shells instead of selling them is that Seoul wants to minimize the chance that they end up in Ukraine due to South Korea's policy of not sending arms into the conflict zone, into conflict zones in general. So the report said that the shells would be used to fill U.S. military stockpiles as they have dwindled due to the policy of flooding Ukraine with weapons and ammunition. According to the Pentagon, the U.S. has pledged over 1.5 million of these 155 artillery shells for Ukraine since Russia invaded. The news of the artillery deal comes after one of these leaks said that the U.S. was spying on South Korea. It showed that the U.S. was spying on South Korea and intercepted a conversation between Korean officials about concerns about selling ammunition to the U.S., worried that it could end up in Ukraine. So I guess this is some sort of compromise that they made. Um, so 
And again, with the South Korea thing, the government of Yoon Suk-yul, the president, they're downplaying the leaks, saying that they were altered or, or whatnot. Um, but, you know, we're not seeing U.S. officials say that. So I think they're just trying to avoid a scandal while they're trying to really boost ties with the U.S. Uh, but that's it for the news for today. Go check out our viewpoints. We have a lot of good ones. As always, we have one from Daniel Larison. What to do with Ukraine and the loose Sorry, I just totally, uh, my brain just stopped working there. So this is from Daniel Larison, and it's titled, What to Do with Ukraine and the Loose and Baggy Monster that is NATO. Go check that out. One from Andrew Basevich over at the Daily Journal. Eisenhower's misgivings about military power still ring true. We have one from David Swanson. New York Times is now telling bigger lies than Iraq WMDs and more effectively. Go check that out. One from Bruce Fine, Guantanamo Bay prison profanes the Constitution. That's at his substack. And then our spotlight is from Wayman Chen. Invading Mexico in the name of the drug war is a really bad idea. And that's over at the Mises Institute. So go check all that out. Uh, you could always support us at antiwar.com slash donate, like, and subscribe on YouTube, Odyssey Rumble, leave comments, tell me your theories and, uh, all that stuff. It really helps out liking and, and, you know, just clicking, uh, you know, but anyway, that's it for me for today. I'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>